Aman Kaman is a film that was a bit of an awards contender earlier in the season. It premiered at Telluride. It's a black and white drama written and directed by Mike Mills. Mike Mills is one of my favorite indie directors. I love every single one of his films that I've seen, and that's two of them. Uh, okay, the joke is he's not directed a lot of films, but the two he's films made... that he has made uh, that I've seen, he made Thumbsucker as well. Right. But um, Beginners and 20th Century Women, mm-hmm. really, really important films to me, just yeah, very, in general. Very personal films, very heartfelt, meaningful films for obviously you and him. So And me, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I like both those films quite a lot. They're quite good. Uh, Beginners is my favorite from him for sure. Now, this one is a bit different from those in that, it, yeah, it's black and white. Uh, it is a little bit more similar to Beginners where we're not going back into the past, but this is a modern day film. It stars Joaquin Phoenix. I think his the first big swing for best actor since Joker. Uh, the film also stars Gabby Hoffman, who plays a sister, Scoot McNary, who I was not expecting to see in this movie. Uh, also Molly Webster, Jabuki Young White, mm-hmm. uh, and Woody Norman. That, yeah. Jabuki being in the movie was my surprise. Like I was not expecting Jabuki and I was very thankful to see him, but I was just like, man, you're in this movie. Wow. How about that? Yeah. And so this film, it is, it's a pretty simple film to kind of describe. We follow Joaquin Phoenix as, you know, he's unmarried, he's single, he doesn't have any kids, lives in New York, and his whole deal, his job is that he goes around and he interviews kids and asks them questions about politics and the future and just tries to, like, present. It's like This American Life, you know, but Mike Mills's version. And he has a sister played by Gabby Hoffman who needs to leave. She lives in Los Angeles, but she needs to leave town for a little bit in order to take care of her estranged husband who is dealing with bipolar disorder and she needs somebody to watch her son i I don't know if they ever put by name to it actually in the film is it actually bipolar syndrome i think i think they said it in the film unless maybe i missed it no i I honestly don't know i I thought they didn't i I thought they left that vague but i could be i believe that's the case Uh, i could be wrong now her son is played by woody norman uh, who I think this is one of, if not his first performance uh, as a child actor in a feature film. And he is a bit of a handful. Um, it's, it's heavily implied that he's on the spectrum, um, that he has perhaps ADHD, uh, yeah. in the sense that like he has a very limited attention span and, you know, he, selective he's a kid interest. who say again, selective interest. Yep. Very selective interest. Yeah. Uh, he likes to sort of like imagine himself as like a totally different person and he has kind of ups and downs. He's kind of himself showing early signs of bipolar disorder, but mm. the film never diagnoses it, diagnoses him. Yeah. Um, that said, the, the film is really about how the two of them start to form a bond when uh, Johnny, the character played by Joaquin Phoenix, goes to take care of Jesse and the two kind of have their own sort of slice of life adventure together. Uh, this is a very sweet, heartwarming movie. It's very funny. Uh, it's one of those movies where the characters are really well written. It's it's mm-hmm. not very predictable. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it really isn't. It's a very A24 kind of film and the kind of film you would expect from A24 at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not, it's not a film that I loved, uh, but it is it is a film that I appreciate. And I, I certainly enjoyed watching in the theater. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean... I, unlike Jane Campion and Paul Verhoeven, I am well-versed in the entirety of Mike Mills' filmography. I've seen all four of his films, and uh, I've liked them all maybe to varying various extents. But yeah, we got Thumbsucker, which is his, it's an adaptation, but it's like a coming-of-age story. It's like, you know, kind of what you expect from like a Sundance first film or whatever. And then you got um, 
Beginners, which is, I, I mean, not to assume, but I, I believe it's like his film about his father. Then you got 20th Century Women, which is a movie for his mother. And then we got the uncle movie here with uh, Come On, Come On. I don't know if it's about anyone in particular in his life or if he just – it's another film where it's like him reflecting on his own parenthood. I believe he has uh, one or two kids with his wife, Randa July, who's also a filmmaker. We've discussed uh, her previous film, Cajillionaire, on the podcast. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean for me, I guess of the three films we're talking about this week, uh, it it's probably my least favorite. But that's not to say that's bad. If anything, I, I like it quite a bit. Uh, maybe even more than you did because it's the type of film that when it started, you know, especially with like the uh, uh, maybe self-serious black and white filmography, you know, kind of the ponderous voiceovers, the, uh, the the sort of things you kind of expect from like an art house A24 movie such as this one. You know, I, it wasn't like I was against it, but I'm just kind of like, all right, maybe this is a little bit, you know, kind of uh, Mill's playing the expected beats a little bit here or something and and, and that's not to say that the the story really varies beyond that i think it, it plays out as most people would expect but what really took me i guess uh, halfway through the film was just how almost relentlessly tender this movie is in a way that um makes it weirdly a very interesting complimentary piece to the power of the dog in that they're both movies about the vulnerability and the the inherent uh um what's the word i'm looking for like the the unspoken i guess sense of uh being i don't know i don't know where i'm going really going with this thought but basically what i'm trying to say is that both movies look at masculinity in this very nuanced patient and reflective way in in a way that i think we're as a medium we're starting to open up a little bit more obviously other movies have looked at masculinity in similar ways but i think now as a society we're we're more open to this idea that masculinity can be a little bit more fluid it can be a little bit less rigid as far as like men have certain expectations in their their lives and society and this movie it 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 has characters who are obviously a little bit more shaded gray you know not to bake upon the fact that the movie is black and white but like you know both uh Woody and Joaquin Phoenix's character like they're you know they're not bad people by any respect but they they have their own complexities they they have their own faults in, in a way that they're not uh unaware of or at least uh, uh Joaquin Phoenix's character isn't unaware of but they're trying really hard and they're just they're putting their heart in the line in a way that feels very believable and sincere and uh I was really taken by how lovely this movie is as a result like the fact that he, Mike Mills is able to talk about these fairly complicated ideas in a somewhat similar and familiar story, but in a way that that feels very rich and uh, nuanced and uh, reflective. And I, I think it's not a movie I'm going to be thinking about as much as Beginners or 20th Century Women, but as I have reflected on it, I've I've grown to appreciate it more, similar to Power of the Dog in that respect. I, I think the word for this movie that comes to mind for me is empathetic. Like that, that really is like the beating heart of this thing is it's about connecting with people and, and being able to understand others and feel their emotions. And sure. in regards to what you were saying about, I mean, first of all, I want to say that I, I don't think this is about an uncle that Mike Mills have. I think he considers himself the uncle. Um, I think he, right. I think he yeah, sees I, himself I as the walking mm-hmm. Phoenix character in the same way right. he sees himself as Ewan McGregor and McGinner's. Mm-hmm. And I think it, 
that that's partly why this movie hit me necessarily because when i'm watching this movie i'm thinking like i have nine nieces and nephews i have a lot <laughs> i've been an uncle since i was 13 oh wow and you know like <laughs> i love them more than it like I can describe like I love my nieces and nephews. I don't get to see them very often. And when I do, though, it's there's nothing like being an uncle. Like there's no other experience I've had that comes close to it. I don't have any kids. I have no idea how they're going to contrast and how they're going to compare anything like that. But I do know that it's a very special bond that we get in movies, but we don't get super often in movies to this like level of care and affection. And especially with this kind of subject matter, to, I think to what you're saying, I do agree that this is about a different kind of masculinity. And I think that um, I'm always trying to find in movies like, you know, ways for, you know, my fellow guys, my boys to watch movies that are really good examples of really positive masculinity. I think one of the core things about masculinity that resonates with men is strength, having strength. I think the toxic form of that is strength through oppressing other people and putting yourself before others. But this movie shows a version of masculinity that is like you're saying, it's tender, it's emotional strength. It's being able to weather the storm of a kid because kids are unpredictable, they're tiring, they're impossible. Uh, at it feels. And it's not, I mean, this movie recognizes that it's not something that only men deal with. Obviously there's of course femininity and they have their own version of strength in that way. This movie is positing that men can fill that role and do it well, but it, it's hard and it's not something that kind of fits the traditional lens of how men are seen as caretakers. And I've always found that very unfortunate. And so I, I really appreciate this movie on that level because it just creates so much empathy for men of a certain age, men who don't do the traditional things. I mean, I think this movie is very purposeful. Like he's not divorced. He was never married. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that he has a kid that he doesn't talk to. He's just never had a kid. He just chose not to do those things, even though those are things we expect from a man, his age. And so stuff like that, I thought was really, interesting really very a24 i'll say again uh, but i do agree with you that i don't think that this movie for me at least hit me as hard anywhere as hard as beginners or 20th century women i'm not sure why uh, i think it's because maybe this film doesn't really go very hard or it doesn't really you know punch like in, in a lot of meaningful ways and i think it's kind right. of on purpose i think it's trying to be a little bit more of a hangout movie which i appreciate too i think so i, I also think that I think because his previous three films have this sort of nostalgic quality to them, I think he is a little bit more um, certain of what he's trying to say with those characters and all that. And like you said, like, I think he, his avatar is like the male leads in those films. So like, you know, Lou Taylor, Pucci, or how you pronounce his name in Thumbsucker. I think that's the character he probably most identifies with. Owen McGregor and uh, Beginners. And I can't think of the kid in um, 20th Century Women. I apologize to that actor. But, um, yeah, with this film, like, I, I agree with you that it's his chance to look on the other side of the pond. Like, in that, like, the previous films were his look at, like, him, like, looking up to, like, his sort of mentor figures or, like, the people in his lives that shaped him as a man. But now it's him looking at, like, how he's going to shape uh, a man in his, you know, for the next generation. And I think, obviously, as I've suggested or we suggested, all these films are very personal to um, Mike Mills. I don't know him personally, so I, I can't say with confidence, but I'm assuming as much based on what I know about the guy and what I know about his work. And so I, I do think this movie is a piece of his filmography, and I do think that it is a nice addition to it. I agree with you that maybe it won't hit me. It didn't hit me as hard as the previous two films because 
it is trying to be a little bit more casual. It is being a little bit more, um, uh, I guess, uh, um, yearning or like these characters are trying to like kind of figure the characters themselves are still figuring things out because maybe Mike Mills himself is still trying to figure things out this phase of his life. So maybe it, it is a little bit uh, deliberately incomplete in that respect. Uh, so maybe it doesn't hit quite as hard emotionally, but yeah, I just I, I I really like how the movie parallels the the perspective of the two uh, characters as far as like the fact that like our adult characters are you know they're not like childlike but they have this kind of emotional insecurities themselves where it's just like you're kind of expected at a certain age to you know just have that adult mentality and like everything kind of makes sense and you yeah you look back on the way like your parents were at that age and you just kind of like oh at some point it's just gonna click and you know as trey as it might be to say eventually as you get older you kind of realize that like that just doesn't really ever happen you just kind of get older and things just settle into a certain groove whether you like it or not and i like this movie like you're saying like uh woody norman's character he speaks like uh more i guess like an adult he doesn't speak like a normal kid I didn't really find that annoying. I've heard some people suggest as much, but I thought that was actually an interesting idea. Like the fact that Woody is uh, more uh, um, eloquent or articulate than other kids, but yet he's like, you know, also emotionally, you know, still not really sure of himself. And obviously he's a kid, so he's figuring things out as he gets older. But yeah, like at the same time, that mirrors how, uh, you know, we have like these long stretches of film where Joaquin, K- Joaquin Phoenix's character quotes various texts, like the way that like what he's feeling, he's referring to these all these texts, like this is how I'm supposed to be feeling in the moment. This is how I'm supposed to be feeling about the situation. But at the same time, like there's no uh, real certainty in that. Like it's like this is how I think I'm supposed to be feeling about these things. This is how I'm supposed to be expected to feel about these things. But at the same time, his character is obviously still adrift and he's still figuring things out. But he's at a phase in his life where he's like, well, I kind of just need to buck down and have some certainty and do these things. And so, I don't know. Am I rambling? Does this make any sense? You're, you're <laughs> rambling quite a bit. I love it. All right. I don't know. Is I, that, I almost went blah, 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 blah. Right. That's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but does, does that make any sense at all or am I just going mad? I, it makes sense to me. I mean, this movie, it, it's so weird because there's so much under the surface. Like when you first watch it, it's like, hey, you know, that that's simple and sweet. But then when you really like dive into it, like especially with this kid, I think that he is like, well, first of all, I think this is probably one of my favorite child performances of the year. Uh, just so much better, I think, oh, yeah. than Jude Hill Tremendous. and Belfast. I mean, Jude Hill did a great job. I don't want to, you know, yeah. say anything negative about it's the kid, fine. but compared comparatively i think this is a much much stronger performance it's to me i don't know it just it has something more meaty to say something Mm -hmm. more surprising to say and what this kid has to do i mean he is doing a lot in this movie and he's acting against joaquin phoenix kind of being a middle-aged sad sack but Mm -hmm. also one who is a podcaster (laughs) which i gotta say like have we ever gotten a movie before this that had like podcasting as a profession, but like yeah. it was not bad? Um, not bad. I don't. I don't know. I mean, like the only I, one I'm thinking of in general is Tusk. But like, yeah, I was thinking Tusk. That was what I was going to say as well. It's happened uh, before, but I don't think we've ever gotten it in a way that's like kind of, I don't know, that takes it kind of seriously, but doesn't. It's not a gimmick. It doesn't feel like a gimmick. It just sort of feels like, yeah, that's this guy's job. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with podcasting, as many people would expect, is that it's just not very cinematic. It's similar to writing. It's just not really. It, I don't know if podcasting is technically a profession, but it's not something it that. It, for some people, it it's is. a huge I, profession. I mean, it's it's a sure. it's booming industry. 
it is that's true i just i don't want to assume like because like we it's not like our jobs to podcast but we do it um it's our job in a different sense sure it's our duty (laughs) it's our duty yes that's 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 actually the word i was going to use um but it's not cinematic because we're not in a radio station you can't have a scene where we're just kind of going around it's like ashton i need those files Mm -hmm. stat we're gonna go on air in like 10 minutes yeah right so yeah i mean that's I, I don't think this is like like people would watch this and be like, that's not really like what podcasting is. And it's like, yeah, it's like it's Mike Mills idea of like podcasting in this sense, you know, and yeah. But I do imagine that it's kind of similar, though, to like how an NPR podcast would be like, like I Maybe. said like before, like this American life. Like I, I could actually see that as like this kind of. Yeah. Maybe I I don't know enough about how NPR works uh, behind the scenes to, to know for sure, but it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was authentic enough. Like if it had been like, you know, him doing like kind of like a in a basement with like three dudes with beards and they were all like mm-hmm. talking about like, I don't know, a tabletop game, then <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I don't think Mike Mills, you know what you're talking about, but sure. I don't think that's what this movie is. We'll have to wait um, until the, uh, the come town movie, I guess, for, to get that <laughs> or the Joe Rogan movie or something. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, I don't have too much else to say. Uh, I, I mean, it, I, I do have an idea for a double feature. This is my double feature idea. Okay. Inside sure. Out. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Because Inside okay. Out is all about like forming a core memory, you know, as a kid and being in touch with your emotions, even the the difficult ones. So I would totally like pair these movies together. I think that'd be super fun. Um, what do you think about, about Joaquin Phoenix in general in this movie? I know you already kind of commented, but I, first of all, I think everybody in this is really good. I, I thought Gabby Hoffman tremendously yeah. good in this. And mm-hmm. I was, I was super happy to see her. Scott McNary doesn't have a lot of lines or anything, but he, he has a really great, like expressive performance when we do see him. But Joaquin uh, Phoenix, I mean, I don't think he's going to get much awards attention, but do you think he should? Um... I don't know if I'd give him like an Oscar for it. Uh, and to be clear, it's Scoot McNary, not Scott McNary. <laughs> um, but, I think I, uh, I think I just said it kind of quick. Uh, sure. No, no worries. Just, just clarifying. Um, to me, I think it's just fascinating as the film he makes after Joker. Because Joaquin Phoenix, I, at least in my opinion, one of our finest working actors. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, and he doesn't really work that often. Like he's very selective in what movies he makes. And I, I find that fascinating. It, it, it has a kind of like Brando mystique too. You know what I mean? Like it sets that like, he doesn't just get out to work all the time. Like when he makes a movie, he wants to make it for whatever personal reason. And I do think it's not, um, a coincidence that he makes this movie around the time he's becoming a father himself. Uh, he just had a kid with, um, uh, Rooney, Rooney Mara, Mara his part, his just part. saw her in Nightmare Alley. That's true. Yeah, we'll with talk another about man. There you go. Scandal in Hollywood. Scandal. Yeah, scandal in Hollywood. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I think it's a very intuitive, natural performance. It's what I expected from Joaquin Phoenix in this film. He has a moment where he does a Macho Man Randy Savage impression, and that delayed me to no end. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's obviously a type of performance where I can see why coming off of the Joker, which is deliberately meant to be like one of the most intensive performances he's ever done. Like he had to like lose a bunch of weight. He had to like kind of be in a mag state the whole time. I can certainly see why he chose to do a movie where he could just kind of like, you know, be uh, a little bit closer to himself, uh, at least as far as I can tell about the man. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a very lovely, meaningful performance for him and for Mike Mills. I don't think it's the type of performance I'd give the dude like, an Academy Award for it, but I think it's another outstanding performance from an actor I admire quite a bit. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think one thing this movie does that I don't think we usually see from Phoenix, and I'm really happy to see it here because it, it really just shows off his range, is he's a really good actor when it comes to how he listens. Mm-hmm. A lot of this movie is him listening to a kid. And yeah. that's a lot harder to do as an actor than a lot of people probably assume. It's something that people don't usually think of. Mm-hmm. But as an actor, like it's really hard to convincingly show yourself listening to another person without it looking like you're teeing yourself up for your next line. It's right. it's one of the more complicated or, things to do in a film, especially with a child actor. Yeah. Or that you're like talking down to them or like, you know, being like stern, wagging yes. the finger and all that. Neither you're actually that. listening right. to them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I think this movie, that is a very nice, like, feather in its cap. And, you know, it's something that, you know, if I was compiling a list of, like, movies that are just especially good uh, movies about listening to other people and being empathetic, this one would absolutely make the list. So it's not something that's, like, the best at anything, but it is a film that is just, like, really, really good at everything. And I don't think it has any, like, major flaws. Like, there was no point where I was bored in this movie. There was no point where I was like, I just want it to end. I don't think it overstays its welcome. I think it's structured pretty nicely. It just, you know, it doesn't pack a huge wallop it doesn't have like something extra special that like really pushes it to another level for me but i i hold it in high esteem but i think it's a type of film that i can certainly see why certain people are like that's one of the best films of the year really hit me hard like i was bawling and all that like it's a type of film that i think if you're on its register it's very easy to be overtaken by this film's subtle graces but for me yeah i mean yeah uh i would probably put maybe like my top 50 for the year. I don't think it'll be in my top 20 or 30 or anything, but it's a type of film that when I think back on, I, I, there's like, it's a type of film that, you know, maybe a few years from now, I'll think back on how like a wry smile and be like, Oh yeah, come on, come on. What a nice, simple, sweet. Pop it in dear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What a nice little movie that was, you know, I'm glad I saw that, you know, it's, it's a good film, but I don't think it's like an amazing tour de force or anything, but it's not really trying to be either. So, you know, right. Yeah. I kind of wondered, too, while I was watching, I was like, I wonder if I would like this even better if it was just in color. There was never a point where um, I was like, good thing that was in black and white. There were a couple of scenes where I think it does serve the, the his feeling of like when he would lose the kid. Right. Like, I think it is more terrifying in black and white yeah. um, because you can't you can't tell where the kid is. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, though, I, I wasn't sure if it felt all that necessary. But do you disagree? I don't disagree. I don't think it would have been better in color i guess that makes sense like i don't i I don't know i'm i'm just curious like i'd like to test out the theory um yeah i mean i'd be curious to know why mike mills felt compelled to shoot it in black and white especially because like promising young women is such a vivid film it's one of the things i remember the most about it i mean it's santa barbara you kind of have to do that in color Mm -hmm. for based on what kind of movie it is but i think I, i mean if i had to assume as i was suggesting earlier i'm assuming it's because the characters are in this kind of like gray phased out perspective. And they're like kind of uncertain about where they want to go and what they're trying to do. I think artistically, that's why he made it in black and white, but it could just be, he was just like, yeah, I wanted to do a movie in black and white. Who knows? I mean, that, that could very easily just been the reason I have no idea, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have a firm opinion on whether it's better or worse in black and white. I, I was fine with the black and white film, f- uh, photography though. I thought it looked nice. All right. Well, let's play our game. Rotten Tomatoes time. What do you think the critical Rotten Tomatoes score is right now out of 139 reviews for Come On, Come On? Um, my gut says 84%. 96%. 
wow really that's much i would not have guessed it that high yeah. i would i would have guessed somewhere like 90 91 at the highest uh, i might have gone even lower to the 80s like you uh what do you think about the audience score yeah i mean i guess it makes sense cause it's like it's this isn't the type of film that I can see a lot of people being like oh that sucked like you know like it, it's sure. a hard movie to get mad at that's what uh, i was thinking i was like yeah right. i feel like most people will like it some people just might find it slight but right. uh the audience score we have a hundred plus ratings so not a lot but uh probably enough to build an opinion on what do you think uh i would say oh um 88 percent a little off but i you, you never got to the spot on that you did earlier in the show but uh 82 percent okay so my gut reaction initially was 79 percent, but i was like no that's too low gotta go with your gut when it uh, comes to mike mills i, I think. guess so i guess yeah. so <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll do it for our show. Interesting show. We talked about three R-rated films. I don't know when was the last time we did that. Was uh, this uh, R-rated? I thought it was PG-13. It's R-rated. No, no, I'm they, looking they, at it right now. Yeah. They, they, they dropped the F-bomb a few times. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, I think Benedetta's R-rated. I'd I have to double check um, Common Sense Media. <laughs> I think it's actually unrated, if I'm not mistaken. I wouldn't be surprised. No, I think um, – uh, I actually – no, wait, no. They rated it, I think, this past week, actually. It's it's like okay. freshly R. But on probably the, wasn't, you're saying like it probably wasn't rated when it was playing in France? Um, well, they have a different rating system. But uh, as far as the MPAA, they, sure. I don't think they rated it until either this week or this past week. So um, like on the AMC app, it was like listed as unrated. So um, again, I think it's so bizarre that that movie played in an AMC. My, one of my local AMC theaters. That's so baffling to me. But whatever. I'm glad. Same I'm here. Happy. It is strange. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.